So when you're a clinician, a big rewarding part of it all is you can help people. Often it's just one person at a time though. I mean, maybe you could do a talk or a group consult and help a few more people at a time, but how do you help a lot of people at scale and still maintain a level of personal connection and evidence-based care to deliver a quality offering? Well, technology is often used in this way to do just that. Apps, portals, online forums, and so on. Well, one of the biggest problems we've got in this country and around the world is obesity. And my guest today is helping to deliver an evidence-based program for prevention of weight regain into an accessible online program. Today, we're going to talk about weight loss and weight gain, the science behind it all. And you'll also hear my own personal experiences with gym programs and weight loss challenges. Also, you'll hear about Nick's journey of taking a one-on-one offering and delivering it at scale. We'll also look high level at what needs to be done at a policy level to address this obesity epidemic in Australia. Collaboration starts with a conversation team, Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Dr. Nick Fuller, a globally recognised obesity expert from the Charles Perkins Centre, the University of Sydney RPA Hospital, where they run Australia's largest weight management service. He's taken an evidence-based program for intervention of weight regain and turned that initially into some books. And then in 2020, he launched an online version of the program to help even more people at scale. Hey, Nick, how are you going? G'day, Pete. Thanks very much for having me on. I'm very well, and yourself? Yeah, really good, really good. We're both Sydney siders, but connecting virtually as we do these days. So yeah, managing through this time. Yes. Thank you so much for making the time to have a chat. And it's a great one to talk about too, and timely, something relevant for everybody, but also uh, like being all around weight loss and keeping it off. And that's super interesting. And we'll touch on that, but I'm also keen to hear about your journey in developing all of it too. So how about we just start and you set the scene and tell us a bit more about yourself and your own journey to creating what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess in terms of the environment we're in, it is very relevant because some data came out just last week saying that we've actually put on about three kilos during COVID. Typically we put on about 0.5 to one kilo every year, but this year we've put on probably three times the amount of weight. We're not dealing with it that well. We're comfort eating. We're not moving as much. We're getting poor sleep. We're stressed. And as a result, our weight's going up. In terms of my background, as you mentioned, I work at the University of Sydney Royal Prince Alfred Hospital, and there's a facility here called Charles Perkins Centre. So for those that are nearby next time you're around the area, pop into the foyer. It is a fascinating building, and we have a large weight management service on the ground level where we literally see thousands of patients every year. Now, these people are coming in and we're helping them on their long-term weight loss journeys. Some of them only have a few kilos to lose and some of them are definitely in that class three obesity range, 100, 150, maybe even 200 kilos plus. But we are talking about everyone, so it's relatable to everyone. Now, the very common theme that we see is that everyone's been on this dieting journey. They've tried the latest and greatest diets. There's no questioning that they're succeeding with short-term weight loss. The current ones are the, the ketos and the intermittent fasting. 
but we see the long-term repercussions of their pain from a physical and mental health point of view. What I mean by that is they're putting the weight back on, plus a little bit extra, plus that GST. So not only is the weight going back on, but they're also struggling in terms of that mental health because of the psychological ramifications that come with dieting and the unhealthy relationships we develop with food. So this is where my work is day to day. It's operation as per normal during COVID because we are a hospital clinic. So we're basically trying to paint a better picture of what weight management should look like and get evidence-based care to people that need it most because it's one thing to see people in hospital clinics and do this great clinical and academic work, but we've got to take it beyond scientific publications, beyond a hospital and an academic setting to the general public who need it most because at the moment it's largely saturated with big name celebrities, social media sensations, pushing on these diets and programs to their large followings. And it is sadly doing more harm than good. Yeah, look, there's so much within what you've just said that I want to talk about at once, but we'll go through one at a time. So firstly, when you talked about all the different diets or fads that are available, we all see them at different stages and it can be overwhelming. And even with myself, sometimes I just think, well, when it comes down to it, it's all just about I guess, eating less and exercising more, isn't it? How have we overcomplicated everything? That's the exact phrase that we all revert to and we think it's so simple. But the reason why we're failing long-term is not due to this lack of willpower. It is actually due to our biology, which we will jump into in a bit more detail. But look, the dieting industry wants you to think that you're failing because you just didn't stick to that diet for long enough. But what happens when you lose weight is actually a complex myriad of, of changes that happen within the body so that you fight that weight loss and you go back to your start point. So basically, the minute you start, we sign up to a four, eight, 12 week online program or a diet or whatever it might be, your body starts to shut down. It starts to fight that weight loss, eliminate that stress to ensure you go back to your start point. And this is due to evolution. Our body and I guess our ancestors used to go long periods of time without food. Our bodies learnt to shut down when food wasn't available during times of deprivation. Then when it was available, they would gorge and store that fat so that their weight would stay stable over time. Now, that was in order to procreate and survive. But in the modern day environment, food's everywhere. It's on every corner of every block. We're not looking after ourselves. Our weight's going up. What do we do? We react. By signing up to the latest and greatest diet, get the short-term fix, our body then fights that weight loss and we go back to our start point. But as mentioned, we also put on that plus GST. And you think about, for example, the clinic and the hospital, as you say, and, and being able to do that in an obesity clinic and with science and medicine. Often I think about those that require services the most won't automatically think, oh, I'm going to go to my GP or seek professional assistance when I need to drop some weight, they'll look on social media or will likely be targeted through other kind of means anyway. And then so I can see why influencers and celebrities and everything, it's quite a lucrative market. So yeah, it seems like we're quite far down that rabbit hole though. It's a hard one to dig out of. It is. And this is a good point you make. Even when we go to our GP or our primary care provider, guess what? They don't bring that conversation up. It takes them seven years. We've just brought out some papers regarding this and it's taking them up to seven years to bring up that conversation of weight with their patient. So I go to you, Pete, you're my GP, and you take seven years to say, hey, Nick, you actually need to do something about this. And then it's another thing to be actually 
guiding them to evidence-based care. They don't know where to refer patients. There's a lot of work that we're doing in that area to help them guide their patients towards evidence-based care. So you do have a large percentage of the population out there trying to do something about their weight, particularly women. They're putting up their hand saying, I have a problem, I wanna do something about it. They're trying to regain control. They sign up to the diet that's been validated by family, friends, colleagues, again, because they've followed it online, they're getting that short-term result. But like we just talked about, the body shuts down, metabolism lowers, thyroid function is suppressed, appetite hormones start to change, telling you to eat more. All of these physiological changes take place that basically send you back to your start point. You can't switch that off. That is just your body eliminating that stress to ensure you go back to your start weight. So yeah, you're up against your biology and this is what the people need to understand because signing up to that diet is actually gonna accelerate your weight gain and it's actually one of the two things that is contributing to the obesity epidemic. I think about my own experiences as well and some that know me and I've mentioned, I think on bonus episodes or other podcasts before, my own journey is basically what you've described. It was part of a gym membership challenge, an eight week challenge and me being somewhat competitive, but also highly incentivized by a free gym membership, you know, whoever wins the challenge. And I guess that means lose the most amount of weight or increase muscle mass. It was kind of an ill-defined win, but whoever wins then wins a lifetime membership to the gym. And so I smashed it. I went really hard and lost a lot of weight and actually gained a bit of muscle too through that process, which was pretty full on. That was not sustainable, that lifestyle for eight weeks. It put a lot of pressure on at home and me personally, and I couldn't wait for that eight weeks to be over. But the results were fantastic. I was really happy with the results for my fitness and just general look and feel, and it was fantastic. But then a couple of days later, we went on a family holiday for two weeks and up on the Gold Coast is obviously all pre-COVID. So all went out the window and you also think, oh, look, you know, we'll celebrate because you finished your challenge and all of that. And oh, once the holiday is over, we'll go back to normal. And now here I am a couple of years later and I'm at a higher weight than what I was when I did the challenge in the first place. So yeah, and there's thousands of stories like that out there on a day-to-day is the answer to avoid all of these challenges and motivations because that was a highly motivating thing for me and I could at least see that it is possible for me to do that but should we be steering clear of all those things or approach them in a different way? Well your story is certainly very relatable Pete as you mentioned I mean this is the common story we see in our clinics with everyone and the thousands of patients coming through every month Mm. it is something we need to stay clear of to put it quite simple for the listeners that sort of challenge or diet or four, eight, 12 week challenge, it's quite extreme. But even if you would have been able to stick to say this program or this diet, remember you're going to have had your body fighting that weight loss. So even if you didn't have that Queensland holiday afterwards, I can guarantee you Pete that you would still be at the same weight you are today because of the fact that you went through that challenge you put your body through so much stress. What did your body do? It learned to eliminate that stress, to hold on to its fat stores, to climb back to its start point, plus you put on that little bit of extra because your body learns to prepare for the next bout of starvation. It knows another bout of dieting is coming. And this is why people find it harder throughout life to start, or I guess to lose weight because their body becomes very good at shutting down. 
And when they put their hand up and say, I have a sluggish metabolism or my thyroid function suppressed, well, look, that's because you've damaged it through dieting. So the simple answer to your question is you need to stop getting sucked into these gimmicks. They will work short term. You're going to get that sexy body for summer or the, the drop the, the belt size or dress size for the wedding or the function you're going to. But I promise you that you will put that weight back on. Science has now proven that and that you're signing up to something that's going to do long-term damage to your health and weight. Yeah, it's. I mean, I can resonate it with that in real time. And if my body thinks it's going to go through another challenge, then maybe I've got something else to tell it. When you think about then the alternative, so if people shouldn't be going through these programs and fads and everything and diets, what should they be doing instead? Remembering what we're doing at our clinics is we're researching what happens within a person's body when they lose weight. So we have all of the state-of-the-art imaging and technology available in our University of Sydney and hospital, RPA hospital clinics. So when people come through, we want to be able to switch off this usual response to weight loss. Remember, it's not the fact that they can't stick to the diet. In many instances, they can. But what we really want to be able to do is switch off those physiological responses, prevent a person's metabolism lowering, appetite hormones changing, adrenal glands pumping out more cortisol, thyroid function not working properly. If you can do that, you can then help a person with their long-term journey so you can prevent the weight regain. So what we do is we trial and test new methods all the time. And we have found that when we get a person to lose weight in four-week cycles, using this approach that I've written up in the form of books called interval weight loss, you can actually prevent the biology coming into play. So if you think about it visually, it looks like a couple of kilos of weight loss over the course of a month, and then a maintenance period, so a flat line, and then another decrease of two kilos, then another maintenance. So it's sort of a step down approach if you visualize a set of stairs. Now, those maintenance breaks, you might be wondering why. Well, that is allowing your body to adjust to the new lowered set weight. It gives the body the rest it needs so that it doesn't shut down and it doesn't fight the weight loss. And we know that because we can do, like I said, all the fancy imaging. We can take bloods off people, ensure their appetite hormones aren't changing. And then when you follow these people up and get them to follow this four-week weight loss cycle, they can lose that and they do lose that roughly 12 kilos over the course of one year. So if you've got more weight to lose, you keep following it. But this is not a program that you sign up to and you do it for four weeks or 12 weeks. It's, it doesn't leave you in the lurch. You do follow it lifelong. And the other key part of it is not just switching off your biology, but remember, we need to form habits that last a lifetime. So often when we sign up to these programs and challenges, as you mentioned, your own story, they're the all or nothing. They're extreme, high levels of activity. We're depriving ourselves of food. We're putting a whole lot of foods in the ban list. This is absolute nonsense. Again, from an evolutionary point of view, you will seek out those foods. You will go back to your old ways. So this interval weight loss program is teaching you habits that last a lifetime around food, exercise, and sleep. There's six key steps to the program. Nice one. On the show, we obviously talk about the use of technology in healthcare. And I really like this whole journey and it's one that others can relate with too, where we take something that would be 
delivered in a one-on-one clinical consult and then scale that to, hey, here's some information and resources that you can read and then beyond further to then utilizing technology to connect with multiple people at once to deliver something at scale. So I'm keen to hear a bit more about that whole journey of taking this one-on-one consult concept to then doing it at scale. How's that gone for you? Yeah, this has been a very interesting journey. I I mean, interval weight loss, I've been researching for more than a decade. I started in a corporate setting and then I moved into an academic setting, clinical setting. So it's not something that happens overnight. And as I know through listening to your show as well, many of the guests are colleagues, it does take a long term to translate a lot of this science into practical and digestible technology or technology-enabled formats that can be scalable. So you can help your patients on a much broader and bigger level. So interval weight loss, I guess it was first encouraged by patients. I'm seeing them and they're like, well, you need to start thinking about how to get this to a broader population. So beyond publications, I then wrote it up as books. And I started with interval weight loss. The success of that book meant that I was able to write it up as a sequence of books. There's interval weight loss for life. There's interval weight loss for women. The next one is going to be around kids and adolescents and teaching parents how to raise their next generation. But also last year through the University of Sydney Incubate program, I did translate it into an online program. So now you can go to the library and you can read the book, sure. But for those that aren't readers or those that need the extra accountability because remember you don't need to be coming into a hospital clinic to understand and succeed on the program you can follow in the palm of your hand so this is great for us as clinicians but also for the general public that need that accountability so that they can be stepped week by week through the program but also know how to keep on track and how to ensure they're following the science behind the plan so it has been a long journey it's been a very rewarding journey Now we're starting to get private health insurers on board, but also superannuation funds, life insurers, because this is a long-term story. The data is about long-term results. We are are not interested in someone's weight loss over 12 weeks. We are only interested in what happens with them five years down the track. So luckily enough, we're starting to paint that longer-term picture. It's been in the public since 2017. But again, remember, it's all about regaining control of health and weight through evidence-based care. So yeah, it's been a great journey, but it's definitely one that has been a long one as well. Yeah. Something that I think about as well is that those points that you raised about being a long-term journey and also the fact that you've got life insurance companies and private health insurance companies starting to recognize that this type of focus is really important and has benefits for them because it means more healthier people, less people with chronic disease and whatnot. I feel like there's so much more work to do in that space though as a country and I guess as a global community when it comes to obesity and those types of approaches towards and the mentality around food and yeah, a lot of work to be done at a policy level, I would imagine too, in that space. Are we starting to see headway in relation to, I guess, in terms of policy and change being made from above to make these types of more sustainable solutions a reality to everybody? Yeah, some more great points you make. Now, the real frustration we have in this country is that there is no overarching obesity policy because it's why? Because we react. 
Everything that is in place is reactionary. But this is about prevention because if you can help a person, I guess, not only stop them going to that end of the weight spectrum, but helping them go back from obesity or overweight closer to a normal weight range, we prevent it, this myriad of other complications that come, the type 2 diabetes, the heart disease. But the way we react, or I guess the policy adopted is reactionary. So this is going to be a very hard one to be able to embed into government policy. It's certainly something that we are working on in the future, and it needs to happen because prevention is the key. It's challenging, but it, the other thing is we talked about GPs. This is another big education piece. Remember, if I've got a problem and you're my GP, Pete, the first person I'm coming to see is you. And 70% of the population have that weight issue. Even if they don't talk about it or want to address it, it needs to be addressed in a way that's sensitive and not weight stigmatizing. And then again, guiding them towards evidence-based care. So this is another big piece of the puzzle that we're trying to address. Yeah. And from my own personal experiences, generally with not just one GP, multiple GPs I've seen over a period of time, even at a point where I didn't personally think my weight was such a big issue or a priority, it's like you say, the not stigmatizing, but the approach that GPs who obviously have to focus on so many things, it became a quick byline of, oh, don't eat so many salty foods or go out for a run or something. It was a very dismissive kind of thing. So I feel like if there was more interest or focus made on that, whether it's awareness from the own GP's perspective or a, a neat referral to those that can help, those little steps can happen. And I know many GPs do that too. It's not all GPs, but my own personal experience has been one of that. So I could see many others having that too. Yeah, many GPs are doing a fantastic job, but across the board, they are struggling. They're not bringing up and they're not knowing where to refer to. So I guess this is obviously where interval weight loss comes in into play. But the other thing is we're not social media sensations. We're not TV celebrities, Pete. We don't have millions of followers. So guess what? It's a slow but steady growth with this program. And this is the other real challenging and sad thing about this industry. It's saturated. It's a $100 billion market. But the ones that are pushing through and pushing their products onto their followers they're the ones with these mass followings. So there needs to be some regulation around that as well. And that's another complex beast and yeah, something that is food for thought, I guess. Yeah. Hey, look, lastly, Nick, then for those that want to learn a bit more about the interval weight loss program and the things that you do, how can they check all that out? Well, I always say the first, you know, even if you're not a big reader, I do encourage you to try and get your hands on the latest book, Interval Weight Loss for Women. It's suitable for all despite the title because it does talk about these biological protections that we've lightly briefly touched on today. Why obesity is such a tricky beast, why it's so hard to, to regain control and prevent weight regain. But then it talks about the six steps as well. So all libraries have this book, so you can go and learn it. There's plenty of educational videos online, short, digestible ways of digesting what interval weight loss is about, but also some of these confusing nutritional topics around oil and milk and all those things we talk about. And then there is the online program too. Look, we're trying to make this as accessible and affordable so that a population in need can access it. And we do have a extra level of care throughout IWL Plus, which gives access to our accredited dietitians. 
Perfect. Now, look, I'll put the details in the show notes of this episode so people can check that out in their own time after listening to this episode. So, Nick, I really appreciate you making the time and taking us through that information and good luck with everything that you're doing. Thanks very much, Pete. And yeah, keep up the great work. I love your show and I will continue to be a listener. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.